0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. There's a new three-part documentary about Kanye West called Genius. It hits Netflix February 16th. So what's really special about this documentary is that the filmmakers had access to Kanye starting in 2002 or so. You see Kanye before he even signed his deal with Def Jam. And the access goes all the way up to almost the present day. So it's definitely the most intimate look we've had at Ye in his entire career. Obviously he's been a controversial figure. I think it really humanizes him. You see footage of him with his late mother, Donda, that stuff we've never seen before. You really start to understand that relationship. And there's a ton more. In a little bit, I'm going to bring on the directors, Kudi and Chike, to talk about the process behind the film, as well as Ye's recent request to have final cut of it, which they turned down. But first, I want to bring on Rolling Stone's own film expert, David Fear, to talk a little bit about Genius and put it in some context. It is interesting, just more broadly, that the streaming era is leading towards these longer, specifically, music documentaries. It doesn't seem a coincidence that we got the the longest Beatles documentary ever made. Well, maybe Beatles anthology was longer, but you know what I mean. A very long Beatles documentary and a very long Kanye documentary. Do you think it's mostly for the good, or do you think that we're losing that discipline of getting it down to two hours?
3: As much as I have a couple of issues with genius, I think it sort of needs to be a three-part, what is it, like close to seven hours, I believe. It, it, it sort of needs that length. It needs that space. It needs to be able to tell that story because, again, you're talking about a guy who was... So for people who don't know the backstory, I'll make this very brief. There was a, a stand-up comic and a public access cable show host named Cootie who was in Chicago. And in, I believe it was the mid-90s, late 90s? he meets this guy at Jermaine Dupri's birthday party. And he's this young up-and-coming producer who's working with Harlem World, and he's very charismatic and seems very sweet, but just very ambitious and clearly has a good ear for stuff, and that's an extremely young Kanye West. And because these two guys eventually hit it off, Cootie is kind of allowed to document his career as it begins happening. And then once Kanye West becomes a superstar, even though there's some kind of periods of fallout, Kudi keeps coming back along with his partner, Chike Oza. They keep coming back and, and filming more and more of him as Kanye starts to go, as it goes from what I like to say, Kanye mania to Kanye's mania. You need seven hours to tell that story. I think you really need to get the breath of it without reducing Kanye's narrative, which let's be honest, Brian, is a very complex, complicated, twist and turn filled narrative. Reducing it to a very kind of like a simple rise and fall arc. Kanye doesn't fit into that. Kanye doesn't fit into anything according to kanye but like kanye really does not fit into that kind of easy narrative it
2: still paints i think the most intimate and revealing portrait of kanye and, and sometimes damning i just spoke to these guys they're reluctant to kind of discuss that it's the same way if you write an article and you're just kind of presenting the facts about someone you don't want someone in an interview drawing you out to say well i think that was really damning when he did that i think you want people to draw their own conclusions and I think that's probably some of what's happening but one of the last scenes is him getting very excited about praise from Tucker Carlson that was unnerving you know and that's pretty much where we leave him and yet you kind of still end up agreeing with the filmmakers that Kanye story is that Kanye's story is far from over that there still is a lot of hope here which is really weird It's, it's just and I think part of it is because you know the first part in where it's really really immersive it could have stood obviously on its own the first part where they really were with him every minute cootie was just was such a familiar presence that you know everyone like jay-z's giving him a pound everyone knew everyone knew cootie and he was just there with his camera the whole time you know he said in the interview that it's almost like he wasn't working he was just so used to having that camera there and that's so invaluable and i think everything about that part is so valuable to me it's also just a reminder of you know, what a studio was like back then, what what it was like to be around Jay-Z, what it was like in this thriving, basically all-black world of hip-hop, where there was mutual affection and respect between everyone working in it, but then, most importantly, of Kanye as this unbelievably talented, and I think, I don't know about you, but it reminded me of his talent as a pure rapper, because you always kind of want to put him in this vein of a record maker where he's obviously was the producer first.
3: What I find so fascinating about the documentary as a whole, even when, you know, you start getting irritated with Kanye, is that you get this really beautiful on the ground glimpse of what was happening at hip hop, how Kanye really was this kind of bridge between the underground backpackers and what I like to call like the corporate hip hop incorporated. And... To kind of see those two worlds starting to kind of bridge and collide with each other is phenomenal.
2: What are some precedents for a documentary filmed over this many years with this kind of access, whether, you know, whether in music or outside of music? Because that's one of the things that makes it very unique.
3: In terms of people who have managed to embed themselves and go along the way, especially over that period of time, it's, it's pretty tough to think of. I mean, I can think of some great embedded music documentaries. I mean, you know... Don't Look Back being the exemplar, as it is for most music documentaries and a lot of documentaries in general. I would love to have seen Robert Frank, you know, after Cocksucker Blues, I would have loved to have seen Robert Frank stick around and like make a Rolling Stone documentary that, you know, goes into the 80s and the Steel Wheels tour and and all of that. I would have loved to have seen them go from the guys trashing the hotel room and with the groupies on the planes to becoming this kind of like, you know, corporate rock entity
2: I think Don't Look Back obviously doesn't have the temporal scope, but it's a fun comparison because I think some of the scenes that are captured are in that vein, especially the all the kind of subtleties of the interaction of kanye with other famous people there's a scene when he seems to be making justin bieber uncomfortable towards the end when justin bieber finally finds someone whose religious fervor perhaps exceeds his own and it's making him squirmingly uncomfortable on camera which is just classic it's unspoken but he's just sitting there while you can kanye see him, speaking. you can see him recoil
3: yeah. at points and it's i wholeheartedly yeah. agree yeah
2: yeah and then around the same time, there's an amazing bit where Rick Rubin uses the phrase excited on a phone call with Kanye. And Kanye, and what's actually one of my favorite things. It's actually a personality trait that I, I really appreciate. You, you see how he bristles at certain things and takes offense at things that, you know... <laughs> aren't intended to be offensive but it's it's fascinating to see how many times it happens over a course of two decades someone will say he listens very closely to what people say yep. and you know what there might have been a note of insincerity in the way when Rick Rubin said excited actually in Kanye's defense he he may have actually picked up a slight note of insincerity leapt upon it and said you know I prefer the word energized and had frankly a explanation I didn't really understand about why the word excited was bad But then you can, (laughs) Rick is so freaked out and Rick has a line that I I intend to steal, which he says, uh, yeah, no, no problem. You you know, I love to learn. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about
3: that. And it's one of my favorite scenes in like the entire three-part documentary. I think overall,
2: as I discussed with the filmmakers, the most humanizing stuff and moving is with his mom who, who really comes to life in this movie. Donda is very much a character and you get a sense of just, she was so simpatico with Ye. She really knew his music. She wasn't some distant mom figure who wasn't. She was. She knew every line of his music. She was a fan and a supporter. And you can see how much she was this lifeline to him. And you can understand, a lot of it goes unspoken, why her loss was so devastating to him and, and really set him on off on, on a little bit of a downward spiral in some ways.
3: You, you really get to see an entirely different side of Kanye in those scenes with his mom. I think there's a difference between confessional, confessional and vulnerable. I think My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is a great confessional album. I think those scenes that you see with him and his mom in this documentary, however, are vulnerable. Like, absolutely 110% vulnerable. There's a scene near the end where he's with a bunch of real estate developers. Yes. And they're all kind of sitting around in this veranda. This house that's basically just overlooking paradise. It's this absolutely gorgeous view. And they're kind of pointing over to this area off to the side where they're thinking about potentially developing and, and Kanye might have a chance to kind of to to get in there. And you almost see in real time... I hate to use this word, but it just, you, you see him unravel and, and kind of just ever so slightly start to go off the rails to the point where the filmmaker's like, I wasn't really comfortable filming this.
2: Yeah, he t- turned off the camera, yeah.
3: Yeah, and it, it, I mean, for as much joy as you get to see in this documentary, there are moments like that where it, you really feel like you're witnessing a car accident happening in slow motion before you and you're kind of powerless to stop it
2: and it's what's interesting is that scene happens shortly after you see him in a context that you kind of because of the gaps in filming you you never see the setup is it, he's become this fashion mogul you know that's what's wild is and it's easy to forget and it i think just one of the things about the movie is just reminding you of all the stuff that happened i had actually forgotten that he had been involuntarily hospitalized. I had actually forgotten that. That's how much stuff... Drew, is how much stuff you have to do in your life before someone who, who covers this stuff for a living forgot that you were involuntarily <laughs> hospitalized for, for mental health issues? I mean, that's wild. But it's just... It's been a very busy life. But what I, again, what I was saying, though, is in the midst of all that, this guy built something like a billion-dollar empire of fashion. And you see him in those little scenes when he's in China. He's looking at the colorways of the sneakers and just very granular detail. And he's right. It was exactly the same way that he's talking about music in the first couple parts. So he, for all the mockery he sustained, he was right. The same part of his brain that made hit music and made him one of the most important artists alive, turned out to be perfectly applicable to becoming a huge fashion power. Yeah. And so there he is. And this happened while he was dealing with these mental health crises. Yeah. Which is also just a li- basically unfathomable. It actually reminds me, I kinda came to the Rolling Stone offices once. Were you there? I think this was before my time. Okay. He was doing this thing where he was coming to various offices to Facebook, to Google, and then someone on our team tweeted at him and was like, come to Rolling Stone. And he was like, all right, and showed up. This was around before just before the release of uh, Dark Twisted Fantasy. And he played a lot of the songs. He stood up on the table and rapped. He ran around the the room and asked every single intern what they thought of it. Then he asked the interns what they were listening to. And I think perhaps not all the interns gave answers that were relevant to it. One of them said the kinks. And he said to his assistant, write that down, which was very funny. But (laughs) I wanted to be like, Connie, not all these interns are like the cool, young, hip, people you're looking for. Some of them are just young classic rock fans, but that's another story. But anyway, when he was there, I remember I think this is the only time in my life I think that I ever got to ask Kanye a question. Because he was talking about, you know, he's going to change. This was post the Taylor incident, and he was talking about how he wants to totally change as a person. And I said I thought it was very interesting what you're saying about changing. Do you think human beings can change that fundamentally based on what you're talking about? And he looked at me and he said, well, I'm a very special person. (laughs) That was David Fear talking about the new Kanye West documentary, Genius. And now here are the two directors of Genius, Kudi and Chike. They're gonna talk about how it all came together and more. After this incredible journey, how does it feel for the world to be seeing it?
0: Oh man, I'm energized for the world to see it. You know what I mean? We we say 21 years, definitely for me. Like I met Kanye when he was 17. I interviewed him in 1998 but me filming and documenting his journey started in you know 2001 we always say everything happens in god's time and it's the perfect time for this to come out obviously
2: there was a long period in which you were out of touch with kanye was there a period where you almost forgot about what you had because you were working on so many other things
0: no i always knew i had this amazing footage the bigger kanye got i thought about this footage like yo yeah i got the beginnings of Kanye and then it was amazing how he had a song called The Old Kanye. I miss the old Kanye, straight from the gold Kanye. Chop up the soul, Kanye, set on his goals, Kanye. I hate the new Kanye. People like, I wanna see the old Kanye. Where's the old Kanye? I'm like, I have the old Kanye. In this in this um bag, a duffel bag full of <laughs> old Kanye, you know. So it's amazing how that was happening.
2: I think one thing everyone's curious about, and it gets into some of the larger issues of control. You may or may not see it this way, but Ye himself gave you the biggest possible advertisement for this movie with his post that he he wanted Final Cut. But maybe you can just break down what was going on there, what your reaction was to that, why he's not getting Final Cut, (laughs) just all of that.
0: I mean, to me it's like, God has the, the final cut. I know when I talked to him uh, early on as we were putting the film together, I let him know that that he had to trust me, you know, trust me as as his brother to make a to make a great film, an authentic film, to tell a story so the kids can understand the, the journey that it takes to, to get to where you wanna go.
2: Did you communicate privately with him after he put out that message?
0: I just seen him the other day. Yeah. I seen him another day and, and we hugged and we said we love each other and, you know, that's it. That's that's how I, you know, when I'm with Kanye, it's Kanye, you know. Um, yay. yeah. Yeah, I, I was calling him yay before, you know, if you if you watch the footage, when you watch the footage you hear me saying, Yay, yeah, do this, yay, you? you know, that was that was it. Now now he is Yay. And then in the movie, as you see, I said, I, I knew Kanye, but I didn't know Yeezy, you know, so but when I'm with him, it's Kanye. You know, it's yeah. So- you saw him the other day. This is
2: after he asked you to hold back and give him Final Cut. Did you discuss this issue at,
0: at all when you saw him? We didn't discuss it to that point, you know, but he'd have a process. You know, I asked him, did he watch the films? And he and he has a, he said he has a process. So I said, that's great. <laughs> that's great that you that you got your process. So that's pretty much all that the conversation. But, you know, we just talked as brothers from that point on. And did you hear some of the new album? No, no, know. He asked me to come down and hear it, but I just wait to, to hear it with the, with the fans. I'm, a, I'm also a Kanye fan, by the way. You know, now, no matter what, I know that's my brother. I know I've been filming him for 21 years, but I'm actual a Kanye fan. Of, I'm a fan of his music and his messaging.
2: Obviously you have this affection for and friendship with Kanye, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways it paved the way to make this whole thing happen. In other ways, it may have made the whole thing more difficult for you, especially as his life became more complicated. I think about turning off the camera in that one scene. So maybe you can just reflect on the ways in which he made it easier and maybe it made it harder to, to be his friend while also working
0: on this. You know yeah, I mean. I'm like years older than Kanye. And the dynamic was, you know, that I was more of a mentor at early on and, Then he became, you know, then also he became family. But I'm learning from him as well. You know, we learning from each other. So when things, you know, when I found out about the mental health, when he went off in the St. Pablo tour and he walked off the stage, you know, I felt the energy that I felt. It was like, I just felt something. I didn't know he was going to, I didn't know anything like that. When he would go off in the past, you know, I thought it was part of, uh, the show, I thought it was a part of the, the acting for publicity or whatever. That day, I felt something. Then I found out he went to the hospital and then they started talking about mental health. So that made me like, not wanna go to go film him. I came around to talk to him. And it's, t- you know, times when I didn't have a camera, where I would would, talk to him and, and preach to him about the word of God, about living in the now and, and, and things like that, which he understood. But then it's like, that would happen. And then next thing I know, people would pull him in other directions. Mm-hmm. So my camera had became a disguise for me to really talk to my brother. Like, oh, that's just the cameraman. You know, that's how, that's how I feel, that's how deep it was. And and, um, and I use that as, as a tool to, just, to be close. And that's what kind of, you know, he know me for having the camera. You know, he felt comfortable with me with a camera, but...
2: Let's talk about the, the early days. What specifically, and you deserve so much credit for seeing it before a lot of people saw it, what specifically did you see in this guy that you basically packed up your life and followed him and, and with, the, with the goal of making a documentary?
0: So at that moment of me seeing Hoop Dreams and then seeing this kid that was so charismatic that actually loved the camera, I had a show, Channel Zero, and I was falling in love with filmmaking. So with all these different things that had to come together for me to say, I'm gonna start documenting him and see how far his dreams will go, you know. And and it was his talent as well, of course, you know. And I just couldn't believe nobody else seen what I seen. Like I just like y'all don't hear this music, Kanye. And he got a song called Jesus Walks. I'm like, yo, that I walk with G. Jesus walk with me we walked. So I'm like, that's no accident. So that, that alone with the drive, but a lot of things is not explained. It's like, it's like, you just have to follow, follow your instincts.
2: The first part obviously captures so many things that are just amazing to see now. And I I think one of the things that stands out is just the reminder that, First of all, in the music industry, maybe in any industry, you have to keep proving yourself again and again. It's not just one audition and then you're in. It's like he's auditioning again and again and again throughout that whole part. It seemed like you were as surprised as anyone that Def Jam wasn't putting out his album, wasn't giving a release date, that he was on the back burner. How did you make sense of that at that point?
0: And Chica, you explained it better earlier um, just about how how the what was going on at that during that time period you know chica ain't gonna
1: like the the interesting thing as far as cootie in that moment you know cootie could have been filming cootie was coming from filming channel zero where he's around all these people that are w- way more successful in their career in hip-hop than kanye and especially when you go to def jam there's some scenes that didn't make the doc when like Cootie's with Method Man And there's moments Through Cootie's footage When he's with Meth a lot And you see this kind of affinity between Cootie and Meth And it's like Any given moment Cootie really could start Filming Method Man And have 20, This could be 21 years Of Method Man You know what I'm saying But this is Method Man As Method Man <laughs> So for Cootie Like right. It just goes to show you the, the belief that he still had In Kanye When nobody's even In his office Believing in him He decides to just Be like Okay Method Man This was cool But I'm still I'm going back to Kanye Because I really believe in him and, I, and there's something about him and I think it's bigger than just like Cootie can easily sit here and say like oh it was his charisma and it was this and that I just think it was something instinctual that Cootie felt like he, just, he's telling you his this divine connection that he this discernment that he has with God and spirituality I think there just was that lock of instinctually like I got to do this. You know what I mean? Like All the other stuff was obvious, but a bigger thing was like, I have to, I've committed to this and I have to do this. And if I break that commitment, then kind of I've broken my moral kind of like agreement that I've made to, to accomplish this goal, you know? Yeah. And, and, and not for nothing, you got to realize,
0: I didn't even know that I was working. I know Kanye work ethic thing is amazing. And looking at all this footage, I'm like, wait a minute, my birthday I think, was pretty was pretty uh, amazing as well. I'm like, because you got to realize, I'm thinking, I'm just happy to be at Def Jam offices. Like, I might see Jay Z, I might get to be Jay Z or Dame Dash, you know. So I'm happy. We just was, and and also Kanye, when you move on in your passion and your, your things that that you love to do, it's not work. You just, you just, we was just kicking it. We were just having a ball. Kanye was loving making music. He was loving to rap his, you know, get people reaction from his raps, you know, which were, as you see, amazing raps. But I think people just don't, don't, it's like, if it's not making money, it don't make sense, you know? So they had, they didn't understand it. So when me and Chike put through the wire together and we told this story, Steve Jobs said, ain't about the product. It's about the story. So we told the story and then people like, oh, I get it, I get it. And now they're like, oh, look what he's saying. Now they starting to listen, starting to pay attention. Oh, wow, and, and now we have um, Kanye West. No, not, not Kanye West, now we have Ye.
2: <laughs> There's a bunch of scenes that are unforgettable. One that really stuck out at me is where he's in the room with Mos and he starts rapping. And he starts rapping like he's in giant stadium. I mean, the most passionate performance you ever saw for like five people on a camera, and he's freaking most stuff out in the best way. I wonder if at the time you realized how how sort of wild that was, and what's your reaction both of you to seeing that footage later as you're putting the film together.
0: Well, I'll just say this real quick, and then I'll let you get, uh It's it, he did that all the time. It didn't matter one person. Now, hundred thousand people. <laughs> yeah, he is going to, because that's his love, you know. So he, so that was that 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 was just another another day. Would you say, chica, how you feel about it's a, it's it?
1: It's a testament to to his passion and his artistry as an artist. You know, I can definitely relate in the sense of like, if say I designed something on the computer, like you're just looking to get a, a reaction of somebody being able to understand what you've just created. So like in his creation. You know, he, he's saying so much and he just wants to see, like, are you hearing what he's saying? Are you reacting? What's your reaction? Are you vibing with this as much as I'm vibing with it? Because I'm definitely vibing with it. I just sat here and created this thing and set, spent all this time trying to put this together. So he's not even looking at, like, a most different than, like, you know, Joe Blow off the block. Joe Blow is just as important to him. His reaction is just as important. You know what I mean? And I think that's mm-hmm. what's, and I And I believe that to this day. Kanye still just is passionate, where like he still cares about his music he pours himself into his music. Which could be a gift and a curse too, because when somebody don't like it, then,
0: then you passionate about that as well.
2: Let's talk about Donda. For a lot of us, this is the biggest sort of picture we've gotten of her. I shed a tear when she passed in the movie because you set it up, because you allow us to get to know her and you allow us to get to know her relationship with Kanye. What did you rediscover about her as you put together this movie?
0: Even like going through, through the footage, um, I discovered when I was licensing, before they even started doing this, this, this movie here, Genius, I was licensing footage for the song "To Shock the world, and I'm going through footage. The thing that I didn't remember seeing was when she said, Kanye, you come off a bit arrogant, but you got to remember the giant looks in the mirror and sees nothing. And when I seen it, I was like, did she say that then or is she saying it right now? That's how powerful it is. And I sent it to Kanye and I said, uh, my subject was your mother wanted me to send this to you. And I sent it to him. Wow. So that that alone and, and just the fact of, you know, we were really good friends. She, she was you know, she just took us all like in as, as her kids, all of us, everybody, old school ice cream, whoever was around. She was so endearing and so wanted all of us to win. And this project, when we, while we've been like editing and doing things, we know Don the Spirit is right with us the whole time.
2: What do you take away from what you captured of him in the latter day? How much of, and I think it, it may be an unanswerable question for all of us, but how much of the running for president and the political stuff and the rhetoric he had out there, how much of that was his illness talking and how much of that is the real
0: him and we shouldn't discount it just because he had... These issues. Well, I just say it like this, and it's in the movie. Kanye said early on, he said, "I have high aspira- high aspirations. I have big dreams. <laughs> you know what I mean?" And and one of the main dreams that people, as a kid, you'd be like, you know, you could be president. So, and one thing about Kanye, if you say he can't do something, he he want to go make it. He want to move more on it. If you say you can't, so everybody who might have said he can't do it. Was the fire he needed to even do it? So that's all I can say, you know. Because I can't speak for for Yay, you know. What about the
2: Trump? What about the Trump stuff? How do you make sense of that?
0: I just, I can't make sense to, to, to you know. That's the, I, I appreciate I, the understanding. One, one, one thing I realize is that you only have a hundred percent control of your mind and your and 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 your thoughts. Only you nobody else you don't have i don't have 100 i don't have no control over my daughter's thoughts even though i might want to or my girl's thoughts i only have 100% control of mine so and definitely not kanye he's a being i don't have no control over that or uh, chike even chike we partners but i don't have control over that i can say man maybe chike we should do it this way maybe this way and he going to say maybe we should do it this way and we gonna come to a, a a common ground because that's that's us. We don't move on ego, but I just don't. We just don't have no control. So you know, of
1: nobody else's mind. For our film, you know, we weren't we, we didn't come to make a, a commercial for Kanye. It, it it truly was about taking these special moments that cootie has been able to capture of Kanye, and and using those moments to give you context to maybe somebody that. You've only seen one way because you might you know, the younger kid, they only seen Kanye from the media, so they only know this side of Kanye. And so can you to give your own context to maybe who this person is? So now that doesn't mean that once you get that context, you're going to agree with all these decisions that you see and make. It's just you might understand them better. or You look at them differently. So so for us. You know, we weren't trying to sway people to change their mind about how they felt about Kanye or not. We just wanted to give you, allow to give you some context. You know, I can't say, I don't agree with every decision Cootie makes in life, much less, you know what I'm saying? He do not agree with every decision I make in life, you know what I mean?
2: You capture that conversation with his dad, which is very unusual. People don't know very much about his dad. His dad was concerned about him, and there's points where you're concerned about him, but it's a little late. We've had a little time since then. Are you concerned about him now? How are you feeling about him
0: now? But thank God I saved him yesterday, you know, and I know he's going to be all right because of his belief in Christ. So that's one thing that I'm confident about, no matter what he's going on with him. or I just know he's going to be all right because of, of that, and like I say, trust God, period. So my thing mm. is always trust God, period, and we're going to be all right, and all the things that Kanye survived in his life period you know he's gonna be all right
2: i want to bring it back just one more time with an instagram message so i'm going to say this kindly for the last time i must get final edit and approval on the stock before it releases on netflix open the edit room immediately so i can be charged my own image thank you in advance smiley face what is that first of all is there some background that we should know about that that led up to this it, it suggests that but it's Kanye So I
1: mean, but it suggests an ongoing conversation if Kanye wasn't as polarizing of a character as he was We wouldn't have an interesting doc that would be just so highly anticipated to see so you so us as filmmakers and obviously us knowing Kanye This just comes with the territory, you know what I'm saying like this is Kanye's personality, you know and, then, and it's really that. So you just embrace it. And then it's going to take it take us wherever it takes us. Like Cootie said, we're just going with the flow from there. But this is the person yeah. we're dealing with. We all know who we're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? So this is part of what makes him interesting. Trust trust God, period. <laughs> like, when
2: that Absolutely. When, when that showed up on Instagram, did you have any warning? Like Or just your phone starts blowing up and you're like, oh, I better look at Instagram.
0: Yeah, that one. <laughs> phone, blow, <laughs> floor, phone blowing up. Oh, okay. You know. And just pray, and just pray, like I said, with what we, we did through the wire. Who's for breakfast? The intro for dessert. Somebody ordered pancakes. I just sip the dessert. That right there could drive a same man. Visit. The video, you know, and and this, you have to trust me. I'm a I'm, first, I'm a filmmaker. Me and Chika are filmmakers. Second, me and Chika has a company called What Creative Control. We have that company because we you don't want to lose create your creative control, you know. And this is and it's not a definitive documentary about Kanye. This is a documentary about faith, about moving in faith and accomplishing your dreams. I wanna ask
2: about just the process, because you had so much footage. How much footage did you have versus what we saw? How much did you have to cut out?
0: Okay, so we had to cut out three hundred and twenty five hours <laughs> we had to cut out <laughs> We had three hundred and so thirty. We had three hundred and thirty hours of footage. Um, Holy shit! Footage. Wow. <laughs> so, and what we have like uh, close to four hours, four and a half hour, uh, five hour documentary.
2: How how long was your rough cut?
0: Like almost nine hours, huh? Eight to nine hours. Woo. Is there a chance that we might see the the director's cut in some form? I mean, you can go or on like the... you, you won't see that, but you might see like clips like on Genius dot com. Or, or time.com, you know, you might see um, unseen clips that we have, things that we had to cut out. You will see, you know, it was it's hard sometimes to to, to cut, but thank God for like, you know, Shell and Ted Schillinger and Amani Martin who who gave us our first break when we did Benji and and really taught us how to how to really structure a documentary. And at those times when we did Benji, we had We learned that okay you can't fall in love with certain things if it's not if if it's not moving if it's not moving the story forward then you have to there no matter how good it is no matter how you know the press is gonna be like eating it up you have to move the story forward and and thank god to people like nina bon jovi and 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 stacy Colin jackson and and these people who who had taught us how to like and 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 led us to like get books like story by Robert McKee and saving the cat to learn how to write screenplays we I and Chike been writing screenplays the, all everything and Chike you said best about we heard you said Chike
1: for everything has been a rehearsal for this moment you know this is a piece of work that we truly believe everything we've learned up to this point even our team with our editors, Max and Jason, my producers, Marjorie, like we've all worked together. Jay Ivey, who wrote the project, and Live Footage and Citizen Chance, who did the score. These are people like we've cultivated relationships with over the past couple of projects. So when we got into this project, we were all seasoned together. And if we told this story five years ago, it wouldn't be told this way because we wouldn't have had the knowledge to even approach it this way. But that knowledge, to your point earlier, helped us condense this 300 and something hours so it wasn't so daunting because once we identified the type of story and journey we wanted to take you on, you know, we knew that we couldn't take you down all these rabbit holes. So it made it easy for us to, like, decipher what footage, even though some footage was super viral, it just does it doesn't make sense for the story we're trying to tell you. What do you miss most from the stuff you cut out? Oh, there's some good stuff, man. They had a Yeah, there's some, yeah. There's some good stuff. There was a, there was some tension that happened. It was kind of like a fight that we kind of had to take out that, um, you know, I thought was I thought was very interesting because it lets you know the climate that you're dealing with. Like this shit is still real. It's still hip hop. Like you're still in Chicago. Like it's not a cakewalk. Like con- there's real adversity. There's adversity like that. That fight could have been, could have gone a different direction. You know what I'm saying? But again, like, and that was a thing that nobody would ever seen, you know, a bottle gets cracked. Up. Like it's a, it's a clip, you know, but it just didn't make sense for the, the film, you know, that we're trying to make. And then, I, and then, and then, and then move the story forward.
2: I thought the part where, with Doug Infinite, was really really flattering for Kanye because it showed the way he handled that was so mature. People who can say whatever they want, but he here he, he was as a young guy, yeah. just talking it out with the guy, giving him a pound, and just mm-hmm. and just. Whereas anyone from any situation might have handled that
1: differently. That said a lot about him, actually, especially in hip hop where we promote such yeah. this like toxic masculinity. This like you know to, just to see like him not buy into that that's just not and you can still make it like you don't have to buy into that persona in this game you know and to us you don't have to buy into persona as a black man in life if you had to pick one scene that best captures kanye and all his complexity i can tell you the scene that to me i identify with the kanye that i love the most you know what i'm saying this is the scene when they're in denny's and, and they're sitting in Denny's together and Kanye's like making, he's like, he's like cause he just, you know, had his mouth wide shut so he was just drinking fluids. so he lost some weight and he's like, I could have me a, let's see if I feel like I got me a little six pack, you know what I'm saying? Like, just to, he's making jokes and just like to see him so light, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I, I, I love seeing Kanye light when he doesn't feel like he's carrying mm-hmm. a burden or a weight and even if that burden might be, uh, he might have created the burden for himself of just trying to outdo and, and and bring all these ideas to fruition. You know what I mean? When you have so many expectations of yourself, you can also put your, those burdens, you carry those burdens with you. So the moments I see Kanye just light and carefree to me, just, it just brings a smile to my face. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and what was
0: amazing about G.G. said that is that, that is Kanye. The cameras are not there all the time. When I'm there, yeah, I might have a camera, but we all kicking in homies. That is Kanye, that scene. And if you notice in China, Those things what's happening there too, you know, that is the Kanye, what you might see when the cameras are rolling or when there's a crowd, it's a different, you know, it's like, it's really whatever they want to put, but how comfortable can you be with a big old camera and a bunch of people and lights and, and all that? I know it's reality shows and all, you know, I know that, but how comfortable can you really be unless you're with the people that love you? And that's the Kanye that... That from that Denny scene to the scene and when we eating it in, in, in Japan, this the same Kanye. You just, were not going to see that. You're just not going to win. Unless you his boy, you're not going to see that.
2: And that's our show for today. Rolling Stone Music Now will be back on Sirius XM's volume, channel 106. In the meantime, we are, of course, a podcast. Download us as a podcast. Subscribe to us as a podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts if you possibly can. That's always appreciated. But as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.